Another weekend, another World Cup final for New Zealand and Samoa. The Kiwi fans faced the Jillaroos in a repeat of their pool game in the Rugby League World Cup final. Can they bring home the trophy? Oh, that's the aim. <laughs> um, we'll, be doing, we'll be doing our very best, uh, I can guarantee that. And a monster event for Toa Samoa as they play Australia in a David versus Goliath battle. In South Auckland, Samoan flags are selling out. Mike Hesson gives us his thoughts on the Black Caps' upcoming series against India. And it's only days until the biggest sporting event in the world, the FIFA Football World Cup, kicks off in Qatar. Kia ora Aotearoa. We're back to our regular spot on Thursday, starting today, November the 17th. I'm Zoe George, and this is the podium. Sports news, but not as you know it, from Stuff. The Samoan community in Auckland, in Samoa and around the world will be glued to their screen for the final between Toa Samoa and the Kangaroos early Sunday morning at Old Trafford in the UK city of Manchester. Toa Samoa have been the giant killers of the competition, beating England by just one point to become the first ever second tier nation to compete in the final. One of those Samoans ecstatic over the final is the Minister for Pacific Peoples and South Auckland MP, Alpito Williams-Seo. We grabbed him on the phone for a quick chat in between parliamentary duties and he told me the community has faith and believes miracles can happen. If you listen to the song of Tosa Moa, you will hear the power and might and you know every, that song, Tosa Moa, they're conjuring up um, the spirit of warriors of old, you know, leaving everything on the field, not to be afraid to think of your ancestors and to think of the elders and family members who are praying for your success. Everybody wants them to win, and but I, win or lose on the field, they will be winners in the eyes of the Samoan community just because very rarely do you have a small nation reach the pinnacle, you know, the mountaintop of the rugby league world. He's urging people to set up fan zones in their front rooms and in their garages and to celebrate reaching the final, but in a safe way. It doesn't matter about the score line at this point. I think the celebration is well done to the boys for beating a mighty colonial power like England. <laughs> you know, and I just think now, it, whatever happens on the field on Sunday morning, I think everybody just feels an immense sense of pride because this is the only team from the Pacific Island region that has made it. You'll find that the Cook Islanders have been holding up the Samoan flags. The Tongans have been holding up the Samoan flag, the New Wayne. I think you'll find that Pacifica in Aotearoa, New Zealand, are united around the Samoa. Fan zones are being set up in Porirua, Mangere and Otara for the fans of Toa Samoa, with a watch party from 3am on Sunday morning ready to get fans in the mood for kick-off at 5am. Someone who knows what it's like to be part of Toa Samoa is Ali Lo Itiiti. He's represented New Zealand and Samoa. He is stoked his small Pacific nation has reached such astounding heights. Oh, yeah, man. It's, oh, man, it's um, in South Auckland. It's tall fever. I think these $2 shops are, are making a killing with all these flags and all that. So, um, it's, yeah, it's crazy around the world. This is how awesome the boys have done. And, and uh, the people that have impacted today, it's not only New Zealand, it's not only the islands, but it's around the world.
So it's amazing, amazing achievement. It's good for the game, but good for rugby league as a as a global entity, I guess, or, you know, just to kind of get around the world. Yeah, well, and this is it, right? So it's not just here in New Zealand and in Samoa that are getting behind uh, towards Samoa, but also Australia and even Las Vegas, I see. <laughs> yeah, crazy, yeah. Can you even imagine that the world is so captivated by this? I think it is a massive underdog story. You know, when you probably think about it, you always think it's either a Kiwi team Australian team or even an England team um, in the final. So having these second tier teams compete and do well, but also one of them in the GF, it's amazing. It's oh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those those moments that you'll remember for the rest of your life. I mean, as a former Samoa player yourself, how have you felt watching the team's incredible rise to that final? Yeah, oh, just proud. I think you know, proud someone, um, but also I'm a proud Kiwi, so, uh, Kiwi someone. So. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, where they come from, you know, the first game to now, I think the resilience and, you know, the, the spirit to persevere through all those, um, that little hardship in the beginning or that little hurdle, I think, um, it even makes it more sweet, eh, to see them in the GF. So really happy for them, you know, they've, they've did it, um, those bunch of boys and the coaching staff. So, hey, all credit to them, but um, one more game to go. Who should we be looking at? Who's going to be the game makers for Samoa this weekend? Oh, ah, it's a hard one, eh? I, I, it's definitely um, their forwards have to um, make that stand at first because you know they're playing against an amazing team like Australia. The boys, um, you know, the best of the best. So um, I'm, you know, still gutted that the Kiwis didn't make it. Uh, I know there was some 50-50 calls made by the officials, but hey, um, yeah. So now nah, definitely the forwards have to uh, put their hand up, but also yeah, their halves too. You got to play a big part. It's a, it's a team effort. Definitely going to be a team effort against um, Australia, so everyone has to be on the game. Well, bring it on. I, I mean, part of me doesn't quite mind that the Kiwis didn't make it through because Samoa's there. And then in the women, we've got the Kiwi Ferns as well. So hopefully it can be like Kiwi Ferns, Samoa victors. Yeah, nah, that'll be that'll be awesome. So if, And also, you know, the Kiwi Ferns and also our Black Ferns won, so it'll be awesome to get our Wahine tours on top um, of the world, and especially for, you know, two of the teams. I think, you know, they're still representing our New Zealand motherland. Yeah, good, always good to see, you know, Tor Samoa and, and, and one of our small Pacifica nations. So definitely uh, be be cheering them on, all the teams, uh, both of those teams. And so hopefully we'll get a good result. But rugby league's the win at the end of the day. And in the other game, the Kiwi Ferns. Can they take down the Gillaroos in their fourth consecutive World Cup final? Assistant coach George Carmont jumped on the line from the UK to tell me how the team was feeling in the run-up to the big match. It's a really exciting week for the ladies. Um, it's been a pretty long tournament and campaign so far, but um, yeah, it's good to good to finally get down to the business end of the tournament. Yeah, the business end. We're up against Australia. Uh, we played them in pool play. It was 10-8, wasn't it? It was super close. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a really close game. You know, obviously, Australia come into the tournament as favourites, um, but, you know, we're, we're pretty confident in the group that we've got. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. What's been the highlight for you at the moment in the Rugby League World Cup? I mean, we've had the Rugby World Cup here in New Zealand, and we'll get to that in a moment. And you've been on the other side of the world, but have you felt the aroha? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've had a few families that have travelled over as well just to support their daughters. You know, and obviously we were uh, well aware of the Rugby World Cup final going on as well. Um, so I think the ladies actually sent a message to the 
to the Black Ferns. Um, you know, it's good to see them get the win as well. But yeah, definitely feeling the love from everyone. Um, and I think we've, uh, you know, we've really enjoyed the tournament as it's gone on. We've grown, grown really close as a group. Um, I think the ladies have really, um, you know, managed to enjoy themselves over here as well. So it's been a really good experience for everyone, I think. So one of the things about being in a women's team is that women have babies. So how many babies are on tour with you right now? Yeah, we were actually fortunate. I think it was New Zealand Rugby League stepped up and, um, you know, we had two two ladies that have um, had had babies under one. Um, so both of them came on tour. They were our, our little mascots for a couple of weeks. Oh, I love that. Yes, do they have like little Kiwi Ferns jerseys and stuff? Oh, yeah, they just run amok in the hotel. <laughs> got so many aunties and uncles now, but um, it's really good having them around. So for those of us who are new to rugby league, who are just getting into this, who is the Porsche Woodman, Ruby Tui? I mean, I know Georgia Hale quite well, but, you know, who else should we looking be looking out for in the Kiwi Ferns? Who are your game makers? Oh, we've got a, a really talented squad. Um, Racine McGregor, our, our half, she's had an outstanding year. Um, picked up the Women's Deli M for the NRLW. Um, Ooh, amazing. Big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big deal. And she actually got named the um, Golden Boot. Um, for the International Rugby League. Um, so, you know, she's definitely one to watch. Um, and, you know, outside her, we've got um, Amber Amber Hall. Um, you know, she's had an outstanding tournament. But like I said, we've just got, we've got some real good talent right across the park. How close do you think this game is going to be? When we saw it in the, in the pool play, it was super close. It was that 10-8. Is there going to be just a couple of points in it? Or do you think you're going to be able to step up and put a few tries in there? Uh, Australia is always going to be tough to beat. So, you know, we're definitely going to have to be on our game. Um, but, you know, we, we took a lot of confidence out of the last game against them. But, you know, I know that they'll be doing their homework as well. Um, so they'll come out even harder and we just got to be prepared for it. One of the things with the women's game, though, particularly for Australia and New Zealand, is that you're both playing three tests in nine days. That is huge. So how do you work with that? And I mean, the men, they play test matches week on week. There's like seven, five days minimum, seven days gap. How do you prepare for that? Because that is tough. Oh, it's, yeah, it's really tough, you know. And, you know, there's a big part of me that really feels for the ladies. But, um, you know, us as a coaching staff, we just, we had a big focus on recovery, um, you know, and putting a bit of ownership on the ladies to make sure they're, you know, they're doing everything that they can away from footy, um, you know, just to make sure that they're able to back up for the next game. Um, and we've been pretty healthy throughout the tournament. So I think that's you know, a pretty good testament to our SNC, uh, sorry, SNC staff and our medical staff, but also the ladies themselves. So I have to say, I have a Kiwi Ferns jersey uh, and I've been, I also have a Black Ferns jersey. I've been wearing my lucky Black Ferns jersey the entire Rugby World Cup and they won. So I think I need to pull on my Kiwi Ferns jersey. What time do we need to get up on Sunday morning to watch the game? Because it's before the Samoa game as well. Uh, so what time do we need to get up on Sunday morning? I think we're one o'clock kickoff Saturday afternoon, which would be 2am Sunday morning. Oh yeah, I'll be up with a coffee. <laughs> yeah, chuck your jersey on, chuck everything on. I really wish the team all the best. It would be wonderful to see them come in. It's going to be a close game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it will be. It will be. And, um, you know, appreciate all the support that we've been getting throughout the tournament. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to the last one.
And if all that rugby league wasn't enough, we're still basking in the glory of the Blackferns victory and the All Blacks face their old foes at Twickenham on Sunday morning. Luckily, Paul Cully has his head around everything. Kia ora, Stuff Sports journalist Paul Cully. Let's start with the Blackferns. Oh, I'm still coming down from that wonderful high, that weekend. Any news on a parade, a party at Parliament, a pay increase? <laughs> I think Mark Robinson's the man to ask about that, and uh, he's in London at the moment uh, with some big meetings with World Rugby. But I think the Black Ferns are on leave as well, not back until early December. I believe some of them are overseas, probably have switched their phones off. So any event, we may have to wait for it a little while. But in terms of, of the pay and the bonuses, it's coming. I don't know how much it is, but obviously when you draw in 1.3 million viewers... That's your commercial worth right there. Wasn't it just spectacular? The crowd, the audiences, huge. But the next kind of big thing for the Black Ferns is going into Super Rugby Opaki. We've seen lots of Black Ferns names pop up this week, various signings around the country, but they're going from Eden Park to Levin Domain. Yeah, um, old school, but a grassroots. It's, uh, it's certainly going to be a, a change-up, isn't it? Um, and that's just the reality of it at, at, at the minute. Um, the competition's still developing. I did speak to a coach this morning uh, and asked her, um, what do we need? The answer's pretty simple, resource. That doesn't just mean uh, money for contracts. It means money for coaching. And she made a very good point. She said that Wayne Smith has given the blueprint to New Zealand rugby. It's now their responsibility to run with it. Well... We just have to keep riding this high resource, resource. And that's what's been said at the International Work Group for Women in Sport this week in regards to rugby and to all women's sport was resource. Uh, I think at the Super Rugby Opaki is going to be, is it five rounds? Yep, five rounds, three rounds, uh, and then the semi and, and the final. So uh, it looks a bit skinny, doesn't it, in the wake of what we've just witnessed over the past couple of, couple of months. New Zealand Rugby will say... Well, you know, we have got to, if we want to build this competition, we've got to do it properly. And, and that means making sure that the quality, etc., is there from the beginning. I suspect there will be some announcement with regards to potentially, a, you know, extra games against Australian teams soon. Um, but the future is a, a full blown competition, isn't it? I don't think anybody can now say that there wouldn't be the interest in that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I was going to, before we move on to the All Blacks, um, former English Blacks, let me try that again, former English back Stuart Barnes has called out the English women for their rolling mall. What's your thoughts on that? Um, look, the rolling mall has been a, an issue for rugby for probably the past two years. I actually don't have a problem with English women using it. Um if you ask any forwards, coaches, a lot of technique and, and strength and training in, involved in that. Blackfern scored two of their own from the same mechanism. Um, so the mall is an issue. I think where rugby may look at that. But in terms of the English women themselves, I've got nothing but respect for them after the final. And I, and I think that their, their captain, Sarah Hunter, gave a wonderfully gracious speech afterwards. So you won't hear me criticising them. Yeah, she was amazing. I spoke to her afterwards. Um, speaking of rolling moors, will we see it by the English men against the All Blacks this weekend? Yeah, you will for sure. And you'll see it from the All Blacks uh, as well. Uh, become very proficient in that area. 
Um, this is a big game. All Blacks are going to win, I believe. Um, they've got to this stage of the season, incredibly good run with injuries. Basically, everybody to choose from. I don't. I wouldn't spend too much time um, thinking about the win against Scotland last weekend. This is the one that they want to win, and then I think I think they'll do it. Yeah, at Twickenham, at the rather sociable 6.30am on Sunday morning compared to what they've been playing at like 3.15 the other day. Woo, early mornings. Yeah, it's a good one to wake up for a bit of breakfast, isn't it? So, you know, that's, it's, Twickenham's always a special occasion. It's going to be absolutely packed, um, big atmosphere as well. So I think it's a perfect way for them to round out their year. Uh, I suspect they'll be really, really up for this one. Don't have the same fatigue factor as last year when they spent about a thousand weeks on end in hotels. So I would expect a good performance from them. Amazing. Well, bring it on. Thanks so much, Paul. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. The Black Cabs are kicking off their New Zealand summer on Friday at Sky Stadium in Wellington with their first T20 against India, with both teams coming off semi-final losses at the T20 World Cup in Australia. So let's get the predictions on how they fare from former Black Cabs coach Mike Hesson. Kia ora, welcome to the podium. Mike Hesson, no Martin Guptill, no Trent Bolt. What's going on? Were you surprised? Uh, not really. I, I think Trent Bolt, uh, the situation once he declined a contract, um, you know, New Zealand cricket have to look at creating some different opportunities for different players. Um, they know they've got Trent Bolt in the wings if they need him uh, come the next World Cup uh, and potentially at, at some time in between. But no no real surprises there. I mean, the, the Black Caps need to find alternatives in case either Trent's injured or, or not available for whatever reason. So that, that didn't surprise me. Uh, Martin Guptill, look, look, I think he would have been picked in the squad, um, but I think it's actually better for him to, if they've decided Finn Allen's going to start, um, it gives Martin Guptill an opportunity to return to domestic cricket, uh, get some form under his belt. And uh, knowing Martin the way I do, he certainly uh, thrives on that confidence of scoring runs domestically and then uh, coming straight into the international fold. So it wouldn't surprise me if I see both. Uh, later on in the New Zealand summer. Yeah, so we've got Finn Allen in there uh, with Devin Conway as well. It's a bit of a pairing. Look, it is. I mean, I think the left-right combination is important, um, you know, against most sides. I think that's that works well. They've obviously decided they like Devin Conway at the top in both white ball formats. Uh, you know, he has batted at four at times. And Finn Allen probably deserves that opportunity because of what he did on the Northern Tour. Uh, you know, he was impressive. And once again, I just think it gives um, the Black Cap selectors uh, a, a genuine choice later on. Whereas if they kept sticking with Martin Guptill and Finn Allen was carrying the drinks all the time, uh, they probably wouldn't know um, or wouldn't have a genuine decision to be made. So, uh, look, I mean, Martin's 36 now. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's still got some good cricket ahead of him, but... New Zealand also have to plan for the future as well. Oh, my God. He's been around for as long as I can remember, Martin Gupps. I'm sure we'll see him back and we head into the, well, the Plunkett Shield's on at the moment, but, you know, we've got the T20 Super Smash coming up, which is always exciting, double headers, women's and men's. Both of these teams, both the Black Caps and India, are coming off semi-final losses from that T20 Cricket World Cup. What's your pick for this Friday opening T20 game at Sky Stadium in Wellington? Well, my picks haven't been very good, actually. I picked both sides to be in the final. So, um, look, I mean, India have got, a, um, would say, a, a young, uh, exciting side. Um, they're missing a number of key players, but but I think they're actually very well suited to T20, um, obviously led by Hardik Pandya. 
Um, and they've got a number of players who are going to take the game on. I think uh, uh, Surya Kumar Yadav is probably the best in the world, along with Joss Butler at the moment. So they're going to be very threatening. New Zealand are steady. Uh, I just really want to see them play with uh, some intensity, particularly with the bat, um, you know, throughout the innings. So uh, that's probably what I want to see. And I think if New Zealand do that, then they'll probably sneak over the line. Oh, but I absolutely love the Indian crowds. How vibrant are they? Oh, look, they make the game uh, interesting. They're passionate. Um, they just love they love their heroes. So I think, you know, they sh- certainly they'll support India, but they'll just love uh, any player going out there and performing well. And, and they love to have those that sort of hero status. So, um, yeah, they'll make plenty of noise, plenty of encouragement for both sides. And uh, they're certainly fun to be around. Amazing. Mike Hesson, thanks so much for being on the podium today. The countdown is on to the biggest show in town, the FIFA Football World Cup being held in Qatar. Former football fan Rebecca Snowden joins me from Europe. Kia ora, Rebecca Snowden. Welcome to the podium. The FIFA Football World Cup, not the women's, that's next year, but the men's starts next week. How many teams, how many polls, how many games, how many weeks, who's going to win? Argentina, I don't know. The big question there, Zoe, the hard one, who's going to win? I hate to be boring and pick one of the favourites, but I'm going with Argentina or Brazil. I know that's obvious and no one wants to hear that. They want to hear the breakthrough team, but they're looking strong. I think it's going to be their moment. You know, we're in for four weeks of exciting football, 32 teams compete for the for the biggest glory in world stage football so it's going to be an interesting dramatic and um interesting tournament yes there has been lots of talk about it already you know it was back in 2010 with uh, qatar getting the fifa world cup it didn't kind of make sense though football's a winter sport and qatar is just sand yeah not to mention what was it 42 degrees or something like that so yeah, it's going to be interesting, everything around it, um, how the fans are going to go, you know, what if the players are going to get into any of the discussion. So we'll have to wait and see how it all unfolds. There's been uh, a few sort of controversies already. David Beckham yesterday was called out for his advertising of the World Cup with Qatar. There has been uh, the the English team flew in on a British Airways jet with the gay rights flag flying on the side of it. There's been Lufthansa who's done something similar. There's been uh, teams who have submitted shirts with human rights for all on it and diversity for all on it, and yet they have all been banned. Yeah, well, funny enough, I'm calling from um, Copenhagen, Denmark, and Denmark were one of the, the teams to come out with umbrella shirts that had really low tone colours to kind of reflect the, the human rights issues. But course the last few days they've been banned from wearing those and and they're going ahead but I have seen that the US team have changed their US soccer logo to a rainbow pride themed and as you say there's there's been different ways of protesting you know I loved hearing about the Virgin uh, Atlantic flight that flew in with the London team and the plane was called Rainbow Lufthansa's diversity plane so I'm sure it's not going to be the end of everything that's to come. No, I'm sure it's not. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens when the first team runs out with a logo or a branding or it, because there's not meant to be political messages on their shirts, but human rights for all. Is that a political message? <laughs> Who knows? It's it's going to be subjective and we'll see um, if FIFA's hand comes down firmly. Mm, and are you watching the FIFA documentary on Netflix? I sure am. I started watching that, you know, in the build up to the World Cup. And, you know, I was expecting it to be controversial and 
provocative, but I think I've been blown away how crazy it is. I think the biggest thing for me was the the report, the low grades on the report for Qatar with, you know, the weather and stadiums not being built. But um, it sounded like a lot of the panel members didn't even look at the report. So, yeah, it's um, no doubt adding drama to the tournament. And, you know, I think everyone's, of course, excited about the World Cup. You know, it's the global event, but I'm based in Europe and I'm definitely not seeing the excitement that we've seen for previous World Cups. So everyone, of course, is, you know, going to tune in and follow it, but certainly not been the advertising and the hype around it that we've seen in previous World Cups. And back home, our own Phoenix women play Melbourne City in their first ever game on home soil at Sky Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Player Ava Pritchard scored the first goal for this relatively newly created team last year. Could she do it again this weekend? I actually have had a few dreams, but it it would be absolutely amazing to score. But at the end of the day, we just want to put in a good performance. And if we can win, I'll... Anyone who scores will be amazing. And in other news, Lydia Ko and Ryan Fox tee off in their respected LPGA and DP World Tours this week. If they win, this will go down in history books as one of the greatest years for New Zealand golf ever. In the Plunkett Shield cricket, Auckland Aces captain Robbie O'Donnell became just the seventh player to score a century and take a five-wicket bag in the same first-class match for Auckland. The four-day game against Canterbury continues at Hagley Oval today. And new research has highlighted the lack of football kit design for women could be putting them at higher risk of injury, in particular knee ligament injuries. The research published in the Sports Engineering Journal found boots and balls are not designed for women and the use of them can cause stress fractures and blisters in elite-level athletes. The research also calls for properly designed sporting equipment for girls and women, including comfortable and practical sports bras, hijabs and shorts. And that's it for this week on The Podium. Come on, Kiwi fans, come on, tell us some more. You got this. And we'll bring you all the action next week. I'm Zoe Georgian. On behalf of our guests this week, producers John O'Williams and Philippa Tolley, audio editor Connor Scott, thank you so much for listening. Get in touch. Send us your Tawa Samoa love and the Kiwi Ferns love. We love to hear it. You can email us, thepodium at staff.co.nz. We'll see you next Thursday. Until then, Namihi go well. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.